Brothers and sisters, visitors, those following on live stream, welcome to our worship service this morning. Our prayer is that we may all be comforted and encouraged through the preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may God be glorified by our worship today. Consistory has the following announcements. Consistory with deacons will meet tomorrow evening at 7.30 in the consistory room. You are reminded of that the wedding of Julia Terpstra and Dawa Rupka is scheduled for this Friday at 11am in the Free Reformed Church of Darling Downs. We also inform you that the Free Reformed Church of Albany has extended a call to the Reverend R. Eicherboom from the Free Reformed Church of Byford. And this morning's service will be led by Reverend Poppy. And before we commence this service, let us sing from Psalm 136, the verses 1 and 2. rise, brothers and sisters. Let's worship the Lord. As God's people, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's sing a song of thanks and praise to God. We're going to sing together from Psalm 100, the verses 1 through 4.
In 1 John, the Lord tells us that if you love me, you will do what I command. Let's listen to the commands of the Lord. God teaches us one of the ways in which we can show him the extent of our love for him. We're going to listen to the commands as it comes to us this morning in Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and who keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing from Psalm 23. We're going to make a confession of our sins and also receive assurance of the forgiveness that God offers us. Psalm 25, the verses 3 and 6.
Let's pray to God and let's ask God for his blessing. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that once again this Sunday morning you bring us together in your presence. We confess, Father, this is the work of your spirit. It's by means of your spirit that you work in our hearts, that we, that we realize that we need you. We need your grace. We need a relationship with you. We need to hear of what you've done for us in Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you, that you worked that out, that, that we can be here, that you allow us to meet in freedom, in safety, that you allow us to hear the proclamation of the gospel. We thank you, Father, for, for the grace that you extend to us. This past week, we've sinned against you again. We've said things, we've done things that are really offensive to you. This morning, we're going to open your word and we're going to consider a bunch of areas of life in which you, you show us how to live a life that's devoted to your service. Once again, it's going to be clear to us in how many ways we have fallen short. Lord, we stand before you with empty hands. We plead with you for your grace and forgiveness. We ask that for Jesus' sake, that you wipe away all our sins. We pray, Father, that we may live a, gratitude, a life of gratitude before you. You tell us that if we love you, then we will obey your commands. Father, we do love you. And yet, we do quite poorly at times at obeying. And so we ask that you would strengthen us, that you equip us, that you give us your spirit, that we may be able to, to love you much more, that our hearts can understand how rich we are in Christ and how much you've done for us and what a beautiful God you are, that we may be drawn to you and that we may live in, in intimacy together with you. Please grant your blessing then over the preaching. Grant that we may be encouraged by your word, that we understand what a great God you are and what a rich thing it is to live in fellowship with you. Dear Father in heaven, we were grateful for a full church this morning. Grateful, Lord, for, for those who, who are able to, to be here and we ask that you'd also enjoy, that we may also enjoy fellowship with one another, that you bless, bless our interactions together, that we can also encourage and build each other up in the faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, this morning I will continue preaching out of the, um, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, we're up to verses 15 to 21. And again, to put that into context, I thought it's appropriate just to read the rest of this chapter. So we're going to start Ephesians 5, verse 1, and we'll read the first 21 verses. Actually, we'll start just with the first 14 verses. So I invite you to open your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 5. You can find that on page 1162 of your guest Bible. Ephesians 5, verses 1 to 14. Hear the word of God. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead... Let there be thanksgiving. 
For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So far the reading. Let's now sing together. One of the themes that comes out in the book of Ephesians, and that's also going to come out in the sermon this morning, is the call to unity. So we're going to sing together from Ephesians. Psalm 133, the verses 1 and 2.
The text for the sermon this morning is taken from the passage we just read together from Ephesians 5. We continue reading at verse 15 and we'll read through to verse 21. Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21. There God's word says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So far. And after the proclamation of the word, we're going to sing together from hymn 47, the verses 2 and 5. <laughs> Dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus, you ever have a sense that you're running out of time. So much to do, so many things to accomplish, and just not enough hours in the day to make it happen. It's interesting, it's, it's important for us to remember that time is also something that's under the control of the Lord. God made this world, he made time, and he gives time to us. And he gives us just as much time as we need. We all get the same 24 hours a day. You know, sometimes it seems like we don't have enough time to do everything that we have to do, but the Lord never gives us more than what he expects of us. He never asks more than, than what we can do. And so he never wants more of us than what we can do within the time that he allots to us. You know, the problem for us we don't have enough time. Usually it's a matter of, of expectations or priorities. Sometimes we have huge expectations. We expect to be able to do all sorts of different things. And then we're really disappointed when we don't get it right. We don't get it done. And other times it happens to us that we have all the wrong priorities. We pursue all these things that we shouldn't be pursuing. And in the end we don't have time for the more important things. It's not to say that, that we're never good stewards of our time. You know, at times we, we work it out and we do it well. Well, here in our text, the Lord encourages us in that. He calls us to use our time wisely. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And so we say you need to learn how to make the best use of your time. One day he's going to He's going to call you to account for how you spent your time and what you did with it. And he expects you to do well with that, to use it in a way that's good. And what he means here is he's not saying that you need to, to get good in using your daytime or you need to get better with your Google, your Google calendar. What he's saying here, you need the wisdom, the wisdom from the Spirit to use the time that he's entrusted to you 
in a way that honors him. So I preach God's word to you this morning with this theme, live wisely, redeem the time, and be filled with the spirit. So we're going to see these things. We're going to see the the calling to redeem the time and also the calling to be filled with the spirit. How do you walk carefully before the Lord? How do you do it in wisdom? That's the, the first calling here. God says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. How do you do it, brothers and sisters? Part of that is something Paul's already covered in the the previous chapters here. Back in chapter 4, the Lord tells us that an important part of using your time wisely is is putting sin out of your life. Ephesians 4.26, or rather 4.23, we're told that the Holy Spirit equips us to be renewed in our minds. And the result is that we live a life that's, that's radically different from the unbelievers around us. And then Paul works that out in the first verse of chapter 5. He says there's not even a hint of sexual morality, of impurity, of evil desire, or of covetousness. He says we, we don't pursue that. That's not living wisely. That's not making the, most, the best use of your time. We don't get involved in, in obscenities and foolish talk and coarse joking. We go back to chapter 4, to the end of chapter 4, it says we get rid of falsehood and stealing and bitterness and rage and slander and anger. And so a big part of, of using the time wisely is putting sin out of your life. You know, sin is not only sinful, sin is a profound waste of time. Paul talks about it in the, in the verses just prior to this, he talks about the unfruitful works of darkness. If you engage in, in the things that come from the darkness, then they don't bear fruit. There's no benefit. There's no blessing. There's no, there's no good that comes out of that. And so the Lord here, he, he tells us to make the best use of the time. It's quite striking, the, the term here, to make best use of, you could also translate it as to redeem the time. Well, it's the same word that's used to the work of Christ. Christ redeems us. He gives us glorious freedom as the children of God. And now he says, I want you to do the same thing with your time, to redeem it, to use it in a way that, that honors God, that, that is pleasing to Christ. You know, every moment that you're engaged in sin, you're not living out of the strength that Christ supplies. You're not living for his honor and glory. You're wasting your time. It's lost. You never get it back. That's quite a serious issue if you put it into the context again of these chapters. In the verses just prior to this, Paul says that the wrath of God is coming. There's some who live in darkness, and those who live in darkness, they waste their time, they pursue their sinful pleasures, and God's anger is going to be expressed against those people. And so God's saying, don't do that. Don't waste your time. Don't get caught up in those things. But rather, live wisely and redeem the time. You know, if you, if you think about it from other perspective, brothers and sisters, just imagine you're investing. Could you imagine investing in, in something that you knew was going to blow up? You're going to get back zero dollars on your investment. But who's going to invest in that? You know, we're pretty good with our money. Are we as good with our time? There's no blessing. 
if you pursue the things of darkness. And so real life, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you about that in, in your life. You think about your, the use of your time, what you fill your time with, and, and how you actually manage that. You know, we get up in the mornings, you get some breakfast, maybe have a bit of conversation with your family members, you head off to work. We're faithful at our jobs. Typically, that's something that's a pretty big priority for us. And, you know, typically, we're, we're pretty involved in that, and we pursue that, and we seek to be faithful in that. Although it's interesting, with the younger generation, sometimes it's, it's difficult. Sometimes the younger generation, they're pretty self-focused, and they expect that their employers serve them. But typically, you know, as Dutch Reformed people, as Calvinists, as those who are grounded in the gospel, we understand that, that God calls us to be busy with our daily tasks, and we do that. But then my question would be, what about the time when you get home from, from work? What about the downtime? You know, you're, you're done your job, middle of the afternoon, in the evening, just before supper time. How do you spend your evenings? And how do you spend your weekends? And how do you spend your holidays? And what's the focus of your time? And if I can just tell you the numbers for our society, for people around us, you know, if you, if you think about the time that you spend on social media or watching TV or movies or playing video games or listening to music or browsing the internet, you know, on average, for us, it's seven hours a day. Seven hours a day. Two and a half hours in social media, a few hours watching television, and the rest of the time filled up with everything else. And that's not just the kids. These are adults aged 16 to 64. Well, it's absurd that we spend that kind of time on those things, brothers and sisters. And you think to yourself, well, I had a hard day at work. I come home and this is the way that I get to relax. I get to sit down and I get to do the things that I enjoy doing. Well, I ask you, seven hours a day? I ask you, is it really relaxing? You, know, you come home, you sit down behind your TV, and you watch TV for two, three, four hours a night. You do that night after night after night. Do you really stand up at the end of the night, and you say, man, was that ever invigorating? There's so much trash it sucks the life out of you. It sucks the energy out of you. That's not redeeming the time. That's not something that, that God's going to bless. The Lord's saying here, he's saying, don't be a fool. He's saying, use your time wisely. Understand that the days are evil. Don't be like the unbelievers who pursue their sensual indulgence. Now, it's not just these things. You can think about the sports or the hobbies or the reading or whatever else you have in your life. You need to ask yourself, do these things have the right space, the right time in your life? Well, if you think about that, do you realize how much we need a Savior, brothers and sisters? A Savior to help us get it right? To serve God, to love Him, to have the right priorities, to pursue them? If you're caught in the trap, then you need to humble yourself. You need to ask God for His forgiveness. You need to pray for his help. You need to change your priorities. 
You know, thankfully, the Lord doesn't leave us on our own. If we're in this space, you know, we live in the culture, and this is what our culture lives and breathes. And so we need help. But the Lord says, I don't leave you without help. He says, if you look to me, if you ask me, I will help you. I'll recreate you. That's the whole point. You are in Christ. You're a new creation. You're not the old man. I've made you into someone new. I've given you my spirit. I've given you a new mind so that you can live a new kind of life. And so when you look to me, when you rely upon me, then I'll change you. And I'll equip you to live a life where you use your time wisely. Where you stand before me at the end of time and we review your life together and we look at everything that you've ever done that I grant my blessing over the things that you've done. Well, if you keep reading our text, brothers and sisters, the Lord tells us some ways you can go ahead and redeem the time. It's quite interesting. If you look at the, the verses 18 and following, then the main command there is to be filled with the Spirit. The way you redeem the time, the way you make most of every opportunity, is if the Spirit lives in you. It says there, I do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of, memories for, out of reverence for Christ. And so if you look at the structure of the sentence here, there's one main verb that's be filled with the Spirit. You have to be filled and then there's a whole bunch of participles that show how you work that out. You be filled and you do so by speaking, by singing, by giving thanks, and by submitting. But really what God's saying to us is he's saying, you need to be filled with the Spirit. And real life practical on the ground, the way that works, is by speaking to one another with songs, hymns, and psalms. By singing to one another. By submitting to one another. By giving thanks to God. It's quite striking. The word for be filled is actually in the plural. This is not a private thing that you do individually. But this is a communal thing. That happens for us together as the people of God. Paul's addressing the Ephesians church. And he's saying you people. You congregation. You church of Jesus Christ. You need to be filled with the spirit. And the way you do that is. Is in the first place he says. By speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But when, you, when you read that over, he, he talks about these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. When Paul is, is preaching this, he was probably preaching out of the Septuagint. That was the Greek translation of the Old Testament Hebrew. And it's quite striking. When you look at the Septuagint, you go back to the book of Psalms, that over some of the psalms, it has the title Psalms. And of other psalms, they're called songs, and other ones are called spiritual songs. And so most likely, what the apostle is referring to here is, is he's referring to the book of Psalms. You need to speak to one another with the Psalms. Could be songs beyond that. You know, sometimes there are examples in the scriptures where it seems that they, they made songs of other things. Probably the best example would be in Philippians 2. You have that hymn of praise to Christ, and most explainers understand that this was a hymn that they sang together. It was possible that they had a number of other hymns that they sang. But the calling here is that you use these songs 
the songs, the words of scripture to speak to one another and to build, build each other up. You're filled with the spirit and you speak to each other with these things. And it's, it's really quite interesting to think about what, what God's saying here. Is he's saying that we need to speak to each other with these psalms. Well, usually we think of, of singing psalms praising God. But here God's, God's telling us, he says, we can encourage each other, we can build each other up by, by singing these psalms and saying these things to one another. And you know, if you, if you think about that, there's a couple of contexts where that becomes deeply true, where we understand that. If you have a loved one who passes away, or if you're, you're comforting someone who's, who's in those kind of circumstances, then, then oftentimes some of the richest ways of reaching each other is through singing. You have a loved one who's really sick and they're about to die and and you sit there and you talk together and maybe you read a passage of the Bible but oftentimes the richest thing is when you sing together. You take some of the favorite songs and you sing them together. And these these are words of scripture that you've appropriated very deeply in your heart and it's when you sing those things then then that speaks deeply to you. And then the spouse of the loved one, they're, they're sitting in church next Sunday and, and next month and six months down the track and they sing some of these favorite songs. And it speaks so deeply to their heart, it's quite an emotional experience. Well, that's what God's saying. He's saying, in the course of life, there's, there's all sorts of different things that you're going to face. And he's saying, one of the ways I strengthen you in that is by means of my word, especially with the psalms. And so read those psalms and love those psalms and sing those psalms. And it's when you sing those psalms that you're strengthened and that you're built up and that you're encouraged and that you are filled with the Spirit. It says you do so that the Spirit lives in your heart. He fills you. He makes you into a new person. Sometimes we talk about children. Children are afraid. They're afraid of of the dark. They're afraid of night. They're afraid of, of being attacked. And we encourage them to sing psalms. It's when you sing that you can find peace. And the devil can't attack a child who's singing. There's a real peace that comes to your heart through the Holy Spirit, through the singing of these songs. It's really quite striking if you, you note the contrast that's set up here, brothers and sisters. Before telling us to, to be filled with the Spirit by singing, by speaking these things, first it says... And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So Paul contrasts singing good psalms with getting drunk with wine. Now you know, you get to enjoy a glass of wine from time to time. Maybe enjoy having a beer or some other drinks. There's nothing wrong with that. All good gifts are received from the Lord, if they're received with thanksgiving and if they're used in a way that honors him. But here the Lord is talking about those times where, where we use that to excess. It's a really important message for the Ephesians. One of the, the Greek gods was Bacchus. He's the god of the vine. The Romans called him Dionysus. And this is the god I referred to a couple of weeks ago. This is the god where they had these wild parties. They would get drunk. And they would do everything possible And the person who committed the worst sins and who did the worst crimes, they were the most faithful in worshiping the god Dionysus. Well, that's the context. 
that Paul's speaking into. But he's telling the people here, he's saying, don't get drunk. You know how it goes, brothers and sisters. When you start drinking, you not only get a bit of a buzz, but your your pain, your problems, they fade away. You feel on top of the world. If you get enough drinks into him, then the coward becomes a hero. Then the fool becomes a philosopher. Then the wimp becomes a prize fighter. It feels good. And it seems glorious. But in reality, Paul says, it leads to debauchery. To excess. To reckless living. The word for debauchery, it has connotations of sexual immorality. Well, how often don't those who are drunk end up making sexual advances, sleeping around with those they ought not to? Well, it's not okay. It's God saying, He's saying, that's not all right. That's not acceptable. It's evil. Do not get drunk. If you want to, to get a little picture of, of what happens when you're in that place, maybe you want to turn with me to Proverbs 29. Pretty accurate assessment of what happens to a drunk. Sorry, I said Proverbs 29. I meant Proverbs 23. It's Proverbs 23. We're going to start reading at verse 29. It's page 647. So Proverbs 23, starting at verse 29. Well, there God's word says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine. Those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things, your heart utter perverse things. You'll be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies at the top of the mast. They struck me, you'll say, but I wasn't hurt. They beat me, but I didn't feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. If you drink, then God's saying, you lack judgment. You do really dumb things. You have a lot of conflict in your life. You neglect your responsibilities. And so inevitably, what goes along with that is you start covering yourself, you lie, you blame others, you manipulate. You want to get away from, from all your troubles. You can't provide for your family. Because you drink all your money away? And if you're a quiet drunk, then what happens is your family and everybody else withdraws from you. I know. Now, if you're a quiet drunk, then you withdraw from everybody. And if you're a violent drunk, then everybody withdraws from you. In the end, you're isolated, you're estranged. 
And the most brutal part is if you're in that space, one day you wake up and you realize that this is ruining your life. You tell yourself this is not who you want to be and this is not what you want to do. But you don't have the power to stop it. You can't just get up and walk away because it's something that's got power in your life. What the Lord's saying, he's saying don't go there. Young people, you're in year 12, you're 18 years old, God's saying you need to make a choice in life. And he's saying, don't be a drunk. Don't make that choice. And if you start hanging out at the pubs and bars, and you find that crowd of people, then that becomes your lifestyle, that becomes your identity, that becomes who you are. Well, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. It's something that leads to profound spiritual damage. When you, when you live that lifestyle, then you're damaged in your spirit. It does damage in your relationship with your father. And that takes years often, years and years and years to overcome that, to be restored in a relationship with God. Some people, they do damage to themselves that carries on with them through the course of their lives. But one day you're going to have to stand before the Lord. You have to give an account. The Lord's very clear. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 10, he says, he says that drunkards will not enter the kingdom of heaven. If this is your life, and if you don't change, if you don't repent, you're not in. You're not a Christian, and you're not going to heaven. You must repent, brothers and sisters. You must repent. And what that means is it means in our families that we need to create a context where our children can grow up to walk in God's ways. And so for you as parents, you know, maybe it happens that you enjoy drinking, that you enjoy getting a buzz, but you know how to stop in time so that you're not getting wasted. Well, your children, they don't have spiritual maturity. And so they see this pattern happening in your life. And so what are they going to do in their lives? If you're drinking, is there any hope for your kids? You know, sometimes it happens, or often it happens, that it gets passed on through the generations. Mom and dad drink, and the kids drink, and their kids drink, and there's this destructive cycle with all the sin and all the mess that comes along with that. You end up sleeping together, you end up living a godless life, you end up living with all this shame and guilt and brokenness and destruction. Well, it's not okay. The calling of our text here, brothers and sisters, is that you need to stop drinking and you need to start singing. Do not get drunk with wine but speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, giving thanks in your heart to God. We need to sing. Well, on top of that, the Lord continues with us. He, he tells us that we need to... Oh no, just before we get to that, there's one other thing, one other thought here. 
We're really thankful in this regard, brothers and sisters, for the, uh, for the fact that we have the, the men from Pindari with us. Because those who, who've gone through Pindari, those who are in Pindari, they know what that's like. That's been part of the lifestyle. And they've experienced that. And they know the destruction that comes along with that. At some point in their life, they come to the stage where they said, this is not for me. This is not who I want to be and this is not what I want to do. They understand that, that there's no future in that. Well, it's as we, as we hear the stories, not just of the destruction, but also as we hear the stories of the redemption in Christ, that you see that it's possible to live another way. You see that, that the Lord is a God who redeems people. He changes us. He makes us into new people. He has the power to set us free. He has the power to give us a new life. And so, it's a real blessing. We can have these men among us. We can be blessed through them. They've had the experience. They've come out of the other side. And by God's grace, they're in a very different place. When you invite them over to your place, you're not offering drinks. Because that's not appropriate. And when you listen to the stories, then you're encouraged in your faith in God. If you don't know these men, then I strongly encourage you that you need to have a conversation. You need to invite them over. You need to have some, some, hear the stories and see what God's done in their lives. And then we carry on in our text. The next way that we are to be filled with the Spirit is by giving thanks to God the Father for all the gifts that he has given to us. That's what Paul says here. We're to give thanks. It's really quite a, an amazing calling. Now, the truth of life is we live in a broken world. That we all have a fair bit of pain. Talk to different people at different times. At times the pain overwhelms us. There's often sad things that happen to us. And our culture, the way that our culture deals with it is they put a huge amount of emphasis on this pain. It's not uncommon that people become self-indulgent because of the pain that they experience. Those God's people, we're in a really different place. We also experience painful things in our lives. And we know what that's like. At times, it's extremely difficult. And yet in the middle of all that, we also know that we have a great deal to be thankful for. Now, the greatest thing, it's the, the core message of the book of Ephesians, is that we are in Christ. You receive the spiritual blessings of Christ. You're chosen by God. Your sins have been forgiven. You're adopted into God's family. God has given you his Holy Spirit as a deposit. He's promised you an eternal future that stands in store for you. You literally are the richest people in the world. Because you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have a relationship with God through what Christ has done. And within that context, the Lord says, I want you to give thanks. I want you to remember those things. And I want you to call that to mind. And I want you to thank me for those blessings that I've given to you. And you know, real life on top of that, brothers and sisters, we're also people who have so much more to be thankful for. You know, we have food and drink. We have shelter and clothing. We have power, we have gas, or propane, or whatever you call it. Gas. We have everything that you could possibly need. You know, we, sometimes we hear stories. We just had the missionaries here speaking to us a bit what's going on in the mission field. 
and some of the lives of some of those people. Well, they live short lives. And oftentimes those are difficult lives. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hardship. They have a hard time getting the food that they need for their families at times. And we don't know anything like that. We have no idea about that kind of a lifestyle. And so it's in that context that the Lord tells us that we have to keep our eyes focused on the good things that he's given us. That we have to be truly grateful for the gifts of his grace. That's one of the, the great things you can do when you walk out of church. You should make it a habit is, is ask, ask each other, you know, what are you thankful for? How has God blessed you this past week? And if you have those conversations, then the Spirit will fill you. That you'll live lives of gratitude, lives of fellowship with God and with your people around you. And then on top of that, the Lord also calls us to be filled with the Spirit and to have unity to eat with each other and to do so by submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You have to submit to each other. And to submit means that you yield to another. It means that you place yourself under another. It's quite a calling to yield to one another. It's really quite amazing that that the Lord says here, we have to submit to one another. This is not just submitting specifically. In the next verses, Paul's going to talk about three contexts in which we have to submit. Wives have to submit to their husbands. Children have to submit to their parents. And slaves have to submit to their masters. But before he gets into any of that, he first starts off and he says, submit to one another. You have to yield to each other. You might wonder to yourself, well, what's that supposed to look like? What does that mean? And if you go back, for example, to the beginning of Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul spells it out there. In Ephesians 4, verse 2, there God teaches us to be humble and gentle, to be patient, and to bear with one another. Well, that's a great way of submitting. If you're humble, if you're gentle, if you're patient, if you bear with each other, then you have a submissive heart. Then you're yielding to each other. You're not insisting on your own way. You're not pushing your own agendas. You're not doing your own thing. But rather, you're submitting to one another and you're seeking the best interest of the other person around you. That's really the calling here. The way you revere Christ, the way that you show Christ that you hold him in high regard is by being humble and gentle in your dealings with one another. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, and God says... You need to serve each other in love. And Christ gave us the example in that, brothers and sisters. During the course of his ministry, he he served those around him. He lived his whole life seeking the best interest and the well-being of all those people who came to him. And right near the end of his life, he told his disciples that he was going to serve them in the greatest way. He was about to die, to suffer for all their sins and to pay for God's judgment against all their sins. But then he gave them a little parable He gave him a little demonstration to make it real. So he gets up, and he wraps his towel around his waist, and he kneels down in front of his disciples, and he washes their feet. Well, it was the lowest of the low. And that was reserved for the lowest slaves. And yet the master does it for his disciples. And he does it to show us, now that I've done so, you ought to do it for one another. The way you submit, the way you're filled with the Spirit, the way we as a congregation can be, can be filled with the Spirit of God 
is if we serve one another, if we do what we can to yield to one another, to be humble and gentle and forbearing with one another. It's God's greatest joy to pour his spirit out on us, brothers and sisters. That's what he wants to do. He wants to live in our hearts. He wants to bring us to glory. He wants us to share in him and in all his, his treasures. And so he's teaching us here how to do it. He tells us, make the, most use, the best use of the time. He says, the days are evil. So he says, redeem the time. Don't get drunk. Don't live that kind of a lifestyle. But instead, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And give thanks to God. And submit to one another. If you live in those ways, then you'll have this, this unity together as the people of God. Then I will live in your heart. And I'll strengthen you with my spirit. And I'll equip you to live as Christ did. You know, Christ lived a life for us. And now he wants to give us his power. He wants to give us his blessing. And he says, practically on the ground, this is what it looks like. You flee from sin. You use your time. You do what's right. You pursue a life of service, a life of gratitude. You acknowledge the good gifts that I've given you. And you sing songs to me. Well, if we do that, brothers and sisters, then the Spirit of God will live in us in a rich way. Then as a community, then we'll be, we'll be filled with God's Holy Spirit. We'll have this, this beautiful Spirit among us. We'll have the ability to give much praise to our Father in Heaven. Shall we pray to Him? Shall we ask Him to make it a reality? And shall we pursue it? Amen. Let's sing first, brothers and sisters. We're going to sing in 47, verses 2 and 5. It's a prayer praising the Spirit for the work that he does within us. Hymn 47, verses 2 and 5.
Let's now pray to God in thanksgiving. In our prayer this morning, we'll also remember our brother and sister, Wayne and Erica Visser. This past Tuesday, they could celebrate their 25th anniversary. So we'll thank God for his blessing to them. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we come to you, Lord, and we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that you teach us how to live in fellowship with you and how to live in communion with one another. Thank you, Lord, that you teach us that you do this through your spirit. You call us to be filled with the spirit. Lord, you also teach us how to do that, to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, it's to have a heart that's, that's filled with thanksgiving, It's by living a life where we redeem the time, where we use the time rightly. And it's by by living in such a way that we submit to each other out of reverence for you. Father, we want to, to ask you to help us with that. Help us to use our time rightly. We live in a society that's devoted to, to the love of self and to the love of pleasure. And so many people they, they focus their attention on, on themselves whatever feels good. And so the majority of their free time is filled up with with pursuing their their sensual desires. And Lord, sometimes it's not much different for us. Sometimes we spend an inordinate amount of time in self-interested ways. You call us to repent of that. And Lord, we do repent. We confess that we've sinned against you. We ask for your grace and forgiveness, and we pray that you would make us into new people. We ask, Lord, that with your spirit that you live in us, so that we may be wise, that we may redeem the time, that we use the time that you've given us in a way that glorifies you, and that is, that is honoring to you, and that's for the good of your people. To this end, Lord, we also pray that you would help us to flee from drunkenness. You warn us about the, the destruction that comes from drunkenness. It's when we drink that, that we get not only bloodshot eyes, not only woe and strife, and difficulty, we destroy relationships. We're estranged from, from our family members and friends. We end up committing sexual sin, debauchery. We end up living lives of excess, wild, wild living and, and living in excess. We end up neglecting our responsibilities. We end up committing serious sexual sins. We end up getting in fights with other people. Father, we humble ourselves because of our sin. We plead with you for your grace and forgiveness. Lord, we ask that, that you would work in our hearts, that you would show us if we're misusing alcohol, and that you, you help us and that you set us free from it. Father, we know that those who, who are drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. If we persist in our sin, then, then when we stand before you at the day of judgment, they will not share and you will tell us, I never knew you. Get away from me. It's really confronting for us, Lord. And so we do humble ourselves before you. We plead with you that you would forgive us. We pray that you be with the elders, that they're able to, to confront these sins in the lives of, of the congregation. Pray that you be with us as, as fellow church members, that if we know of these sins in each other's lives, that we confront one another, that we admonish each other and call each other to repent. Pray, Father, that we can live in a, in a community together as your people where, where we can enjoy alcohol as a, as a gift that you've given us, but that we don't misuse it in any way. 
that we never get drunk, that we never sin in our drunkenness. Lord, we need your help in that. And we thank you that you promised to do that for Christ's sake through the power of your spirit. Lord, we also pray that you would help us to, to sing. Give us a heart where we love to sing, not just in church, but that we do it privately, that we do it as families, that we carry psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in our hearts, and that we use these psalms to, to build ourselves up in the faith and to encourage each other in the faith. But we also pray that you give us an eye for the beautiful things that you've given us, that we speak together about that. Help us to understand the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Help us, Lord, to, to be thankful for all the material gifts that you've given us. And help us to speak often to you about that. Sometimes, Lord, we're discontent. Sometimes we're covetous. Sometimes our, our conversation is full of grumbling and complaining because we don't like certain things. And we're dissatisfied with how things are. Lord, please forgive us for our sin. And please help us to, to be truly grateful and to have that, that attitude in all of all areas of life. Father, when we, when we consider these things, then we realize how much we need your spirit. We need your grace in Christ. And we need your spirit to work it out for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did it for us, that you lived a holy life, that you were blameless, and that you were righteous, and that you're willing to apply your righteousness to our account. You're willing to take our curse upon yourself. And Holy Spirit, we praise you that you're willing to, to live in our hearts, that you will give us the, the strength and power of our Lord Jesus. You'll free us from our sin, and you'll make us into new people. Holy Spirit, we honor you that, you, that you love us, and that you work in our hearts the love of Christ, and that you equip and enable us to live a life of service and of submission to each other, where we as a congregation, can live together in peace and unity. And that we pray, Father, that, that you will bless us in every way, that we may have this unity, that we truly submit to one another, that we seek the best interest of the other members, and that in this way, that, that there may be deep unity among us. We thank you, Lord, for, for continuing your work among us. We thank you for your grace. And we pray that you would be merciful and that you bring it to, to fulfillment, bring your work to fulfillment. And then, Father, we also pray that you, you be with us in the difficult times of life. Some of us are facing breakdown in relationships. There are some in our congregation who have really troubled emotions, with a lot of turmoil in their minds. Sometimes it also happens to those who walk alongside the life of those who are troubled that, that they also carry their troubles with them. Father, we ask that you be a father to these people, that you surround yourself with their near, your nearness, and that you may indeed live in their hearts with your spirit. Help them to use the means that you give us here to be able to be filled with the spirit and to walk in your ways. We also pray, Father, that you would be near to those who face spiritual challenges, some who face a lot of doubt, some who lack intimacy with you. Sometimes, Lord, we, we have trouble praying, Help us to seek your face. Help us to read your word. Help us to open our hearts to you. We pray, Lord, that you would comfort us, that you would help us. Father, we also wish to thank you for the many families among us where there's a beautiful, godly spirit, a very healthy spirit, where we fear your name and where we hold you in high regard. 
Lord, we pray that, that you would help us to continue in that and to grow in that. We pray that we may also serve each other in love so that we can build each other up in these ways. Pray, Father, that you would please also accept our thanks. One of the things we're really thankful for this morning is our brother and sister Wayne and Erica Visser, that they could celebrate their 25th wedding anniversary this past week. But what a blessing that you've given them to each other, that they may be faithful to one another, that you've given them their children, beautiful family. We, we honor you for the, the gifts that you've given. And we, we thank you for the blessing that they also are in our congregation. We ask that you may continue to be near to them, that you bless them in every way, that they may receive many more years of marriage from you, and that, that it would go well with them. Father, please also be with, with the senior members of our congregation, face a lot of challenges, a lot of difficulties in their lives at times. Give them an eye to see the beautiful things and to, to be truly grateful to you for all the blessings that you've given them as well. Also thankful, Lord, this past week for the presentations that we could receive. Grateful that Reverend Dion could speak to us. I also want to, to pray, Father, for a blessing over the work that's going on in P&G. Grateful for the, for the indigenous pastors that they continue with the work there. We ask for your blessing over that. Also thankful, Lord, for the spirit that they have, that they seek to, to share the hope of the gospel and that they seek to continue to plant new churches. We wish to ask, Father, for your blessing over that work, that the, that the work may continue. Please also be with the Vandekamps during the time that they have among us, time of, of rest and refreshment, time of vacation. Please give them a beautiful time and and grant your blessing over them, that they may be refreshed in, in their vacation. Also bless the Poles in the same way, Father. We ask that in due time that they can all return back to P&G and take up the work once again. We wish to ask, Father, that you also would take care of the, the men who are at Pindari. Just heard this morning about the, the calling to, to be set free from alcohol, from the abuse of alcohol. We're so grateful that, that the that Pindari can be of assistance to these men, to walk alongside a life with them, to, to help them, to, to be set free from the power of addictions. Lord, thank you that you lead us in your truth. Thank you most of all for the, for the gift that you give us in Jesus Christ, that you offer us Christ's power to, to rescue us from sin. Thank you for Tim and Tanya and the work that they do in walking alongside a life with these men. We pray for, that you would continue to sustain them and bless them and help them that you give them a rich measure of your spirit, that they're able to, to deal with a lot of the darkness that they, that they hear about, and that you would strengthen them for the task. Please bless their family, and please be a father to them and be near to them. And we also pray for the men, Lord, that they may experience freedom, that they can walk in, in truth and in purity, that they can have control of themselves, and they can be set free from idolatry. What a rich gift it is that, that you allow this to happen, and we honor you for that. And we, we thank you for your blessings. Please accept the songs we sing today, Lord. Accept the thank offerings we're to give you. Please hear our prayer. And please do it all for Jesus' sake. Amen. So brothers and sisters, this morning you are going to have the opportunity to give your thank offerings to, to the Lord. The collection will be for the mission work in Papua New Guinea. At this time, I invite you to rise together. We're going to sing from hymn six, the verses one and two, in closing song before God.
Receive now the blessing of God. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.